You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, live from the Packernet Podcast Studios, this is Packers Total Access. I'm your host, Clayton Bailey. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. Guys, we've got an awesome show lined up for you today. Really, really excited. Uh, we're getting a little bit closer to the next preseason game, obviously, coming up here on Thursday. So uh, what we've got on tap for you today, we're going to get some practice updates right from yesterday. And uh, we're also going to hear from Aaron Rodgers, as well as we're going to do our scouting segment where we're going to go and scout the Kansas City Chiefs kind of give you an idea of what to expect. Even though it is a preseason game, we uh, successfully predicted last week against the Saints kind of what we would be looking at as far as personnel. And we did see a lot of base um, defense, which is really exciting because we got a chance to see a, a TJ Slayton a little more often. And we, we've seen him flash at times. You get to see a little bit of Devontae Wyatt, um, you know, that type of thing. So that's the whole purpose of the scouting in the preseason. So just to kind of give you an idea of, all right, who's going to be on the field? And we've got a couple of tweets to uh, to also cover here coming out of camp. So with that being said, let's just jump right into it and waste no time. Um, we're going to first hear from Aaron Rodgers, and this was uh, actually uh, yesterday. First of all, we've been putting pods out around noon. Um, just want to kind of get you that fresh content rather than waiting later in the evening. Sometimes it's a little bit harder to get the pod out uh, in a rapid fashion, but, you know, releasing it around noon seems to work pretty good uh, the way the schedule sits right now we get in regular season things may change but so we obviously are not at the uh, four o'clock deadline yet for the roster cut down to 80 men right um, so you guys just kind of keep your eye open for that as the day goes on but let's see what Aaron had to say yesterday so this was uh, actually on Monday um, after practice or uh, maybe even before whenever he met with the media and he was just talking about a couple of different things, uh, talking about expectations for young wide receivers, as well as he kind of gives some insight on uh, the nuances of, of really learning how to practice and how to maximize that practice time. But let's go to uh, let's go to twelve here, QB one, and see what he had to say. You want him to be like Romeo right away. I'm just wondering what your process is for that because it's different than it has been in the past. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to be real about the expectations with all those guys. And then hold them at the same time, hold them to a standard of what they're capable of at this time, based on those expectations that are realistic. So the whole key is the consistency with what's being talked. You know, the consistency with seeing improvement each day, and maybe just a reminder that every single one of those plays we're watching, whether it's ones, twos, or threes, split group, one group. And I just think there's a way of practicing that they just need to understand. You know, playing the specific drills, having an awareness that we had a third down period, we had a red zone period, we had a two-minute period, we had a move the ball period. Each one of those periods has a different uh, urgency to it and, and different little games within the game. And I just think there needs to be an understanding of that, and that's that's what some of the conversations in the, in the film sessions have been about. But uh, we just want to see improvement from those guys week to week. I feel good about the veterans that we have in the room. You know, I thought Randall had one of his better practices at camp today. Sammy had two great practices last week against the Saints. Uh, Allen's been very consistent for us. It's just that next group of guys, you know, who's going to step up and and get playing time um, out of that next group of three. All right. You know, one thing I've noticed about Aaron Rodgers this year, and it's really become so evident, is he's kind of taken on this coaching role this year. 
And uh, I really, really appreciate it. I don't know, man. I get really, really excited when I think about Jordan Love just being in his hip pocket. You know, you've heard him talk about and you've heard, you know, the the beat reporters, you know, having access to being at practice. They were talking about how he was coaching up Rasul Douglas one day on how to play DB, like, you know, given kind of the quarterback's perspective on how to play the DB position. Man, you can't put a price tag on that. Coming from an absolute legend at quarterback, whether you like him personally or not, you cannot argue what he's done on the field. I mean, multiple MVPs. He's a guy who's respected all across the league, arguably the most talented thrower of the football in the history of the National Football League. Guys, we've been playing this game for over 100 years at this level, and he is arguably the best as far as arm talent goes. And then you t- you add in the intellect and the fact that he's passing that along to not only the wide receivers, but also our backup quarterback, which it's really, really cool. I was listening to Packer Net after dark and hearing callers call in and them kind of saying, I think, I think Jordan Love is the next guy. I think we do have the guy in house. And it's so easy for people to look at any little negative aspect of Jordan Love and 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 say, oh, you know what, we need to get somebody else. Okay, we just understand. It's it's funny to me too that it's the same people that were saying just trade Aaron Rodgers, just get rid of Aaron Rodgers, as if he's not at the top of his game right now. He could fall off this year, but to pretend like he wasn't at the top of his game last year is just is just silly to me. But those same people were talking about, you know, Jordan, if Jordan Love ain't the right guy, just get him out of here. Okay, well, keep in mind that if you bring another quarterback in and Aaron does retire, that quarterback's now got to learn the system. And if you don't think that's a big issue, go look at the turnover rate of quarterbacks in conjunction with new head coaches. The easy argument, the lazy argument is to say, well, the GM just wants his guy in there. Nah, it could be that the quarterback's getting burnt out that he went through three freaking coaching staffs. You know what I mean? So, like, the fact that Jordan Love has been raised in this system the same way that Aaron Rodgers was raised in the Mike McCarthy system, and you've seen the fruit of that labor, of that study, the second he took over as starting quarterback, boom, you had success, right? I got to see it firsthand. I was at Lambeau for his first start. Guys, I was sitting, I think it was either 11 or 13 rows from the field right next to the player's tunnel. And I remember sitting there with my wife thinking, man, this is either going to go really good or really bad. You know, we just we just ran a legend out of town. When I say ran a legend out of town, I don't mean, I don't, I don't think it was the front office's fault. I think I blame Brett more than the front office, but Obviously, I mean, they, they basically said it. It got to the point where the relationship could not be, uh, you know, it just couldn't be mended. They had to part ways, right? And I'm sitting here thinking, oh, man, if 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 he just left, if we ran him off and Aaron Rodgers is a bust, we, I mean, welcome to the dark ages, right? And then lo and behold, he comes out, and it's like, I mean, the first drive he went deep to Jennings, and I was like, what in the – I remember my head – my chin going straight up in the air and watching the arc of the ball like, oh, my God, he's got a cannon. And, and you know, just to be able to step into that, guys, you can play loose. You can play at the top of your game. You can showcase case those physical skills, those physical attributes when you don't have to worry about the mental aspect of the game and learning the system. Jordan Love already has a jump on that, right? It's funny. I had no – plans whatsoever talking about Jordan Love in this first segment, but it just kind of went there. It is what it is. But I'm to get back to my point, he's coaching up Russell Douglas. He's coaching up the young receivers. And you got to think he's he's coaching up Jordan Love. And, and Matt LaFleur said it best the other day. He loves that Aaron is putting this sense of urgency on everybody. But yet the media is saying he's being an a-hole, right? But it's funny. You look at the media, and I'm sorry, you can look at them and go, yeah, they've never played sports. <laughs> they've never been on a team. Like, and, and isn't it funny that people like Larry McCarron, the ones who have been on a team, you don't hear them saying that about Aaron Rodgers or about, you know, said player, right? So, uh, yeah, I just thought – I think it's cool that he's taking on that coaching role. Now, here he is again. This was at his locker a little bit later, and uh, he was asked uh, about Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs, really in general just the uh, the young receivers, and let's see what he had to say here. I thought he was pretty good yesterday. I thought he was pretty good today. So. He asks a lot of questions. He cares about it. He comes over and you know tries to get on the same page. And if anything happens, whether it's good or bad, and different, so I enjoy his approach. But he's got you know he's got a different skill set. He's a big body who can run, and he's got to get him a little more consistent. I think uh, tracking the ball down the field. But he made a nice play in the two minute uh, right there. So the thing that that I've seen with him is just mentally the improvement. 
from, from day to day yesterday. We did a kind of spur of the moment adjustment in a, in a period, and I told him what to do in the huddle, and it's something he's never done before, and he went out and did it perfect. And it's those little things like that that start to gain that trust and that confidence and, and get you excited about things. Now, Dobbs done a lot of really nice things, but I think the standard for him is not going to be maybe the standard for, for a normal rookie that we've had here in the past, especially in the past, I don't know, four or five years, um, you know, because he's going to be expected to play based on his performance so far in camp. So we got to hold him to uh, to a standard that I know he's capable of reaching. But who cares about him? He's a great kid. He's made some instinctual plays that you know, just can't really coach. You know, a little, a little uh, you know, uh, in and back out in the game and at the top of the route, you know, there's a guy right there. And instead of kind of drifting on it and letting the guy make the play, he comes hard back with the ball, strong hands. And that's, you know, you like seeing those plays. It gives you confidence, and I'm not throwing him that ball, but, but it gives you confidence that he's capable of doing some things that might not be on the, on the paper offense. Love it. Absolutely love it. You know, he was talking about Christian Watson. And so they made a slight adjustment in the huddle, right? And, and he went out and he picked it up immediately. And if you could have seen the smile on Aaron's face, Aaron Rodgers said, those are the things, and he grinned real big, that gives you confidence in that guy. Guys, it's no different than anything else in life. Everybody's got those coworkers, right? Everybody's got a coworker that you you literally understand that it's a liability them even being in the building because they don't have two brain cells to rub, rub together, right? I mean, they, they literally have no clue what's going on. They don't care to know what's going on. They don't uh, apply themselves at all. And, and they, if anything, they slow the operation down. But then you got that coworker, that one or two coworkers that it's like, hey, I, put them with me. If you've done any kind of blue collar work like I have in the past, it's like I want that guy with me. Put that guy with me. And it might be someone who's not that talented. It might be someone who doesn't have great physical ability if you're doing some kind of hard labor job. But if their head's in the freaking game, it makes a world of difference. It's like what Ryan and I talked about with Quay Walker a couple weeks ago and breaking down a little bit of film from Family Night. But it's like you give me the guy who applies himself and understands what the play design, the play is designed to do. They're going to be two steps ahead of the guy who's got 4-4 speed but doesn't have a clue what's going on, right? Has got Uncle Bill awareness, you know, playing that position, right? Give me the guy whose head's in the game. And I love that he mentioned that, you know, just that huddle adjustment and then just the way he smiled talking about Christian Watson. So Christian Watson's starting to have an immediate uh, impression on, uh, on Aaron Rodgers. And he also talked about Romeo Dobbs, and I love that he said with Dobbs, it's a whole different ballgame. They're not looking at Dobbs as this late-round pick. I mean, Aaron basically laid it out for you right there. He said it. He said, listen, the, the expectations for him are going to be different than any other rookie we've had in because he's shown he's got strong hands. He shows that he knows how to run routes. He shows that his head's in the game. They're going to up the expectations for him. I'm, I'm telling you, I think Dobbs, if he stays healthy, and uh, and granted, he's got to get past those top three guys. I mean, you heard Aaron. He has a lot of confidence in Lazard, Sammy Watkins, and Randall Cobb. And, you know, Pat McAfee talked about this on his pod the other day or on his show. He uh, he was he called out Matt Schneiman and poked at him a little bit, but he's like, you know, basically Matt Schneiman said, you know, Sammy's having a good a good camp, and and Pat was like, first I've heard of it. Why aren't you guys talking about that instead of Aaron scolding the young wide receivers? Like, hold up, you mean Sammy Watkins actually looks as advertised? And, and it, isn't it funny nobody's talking about? It. I think he's had a sneaky good camp and uh, kind of went under the radar. But Aaron's got a lot of confidence in those top three guys: Lazard, Watkins, and Cobb. Right. But the fact that you got Dobbs and Watson coming in to spell those guys, I mean, that's exciting. That's really, really exciting. And uh yeah, I'm 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 fired up, man. I'm really excited to watch the Chiefs game. I don't know how much, if any, Christian Watson will play, but as as excited as I get about watching Dobbs on the field in these preseason games and, and Jordan Love, Jordan Love, first of all, when they drafted him, I got really, really excited. Everybody else threw a temp. Not everybody. I'm sorry. I, I know the majority of people didn't, but the, a few, the loud ones anyway, right? Um, threw a temper tantrum when they drafted Jordan Love. You know what my mindset went to immediately? This moment right here. So many times in the past that I would sit through a preseason and the games just, it was just like, oh, there's really nothing to watch here. We know our backup quarterback sucks. It is what it is. He's not going to be a part of the future. You know, insert whoever it may be, right? because you knew Aaron was going to be around for a very long time. 
And you also knew that if Aaron Rodgers got hurt, that's the end of the season. That's how it always was with me, with Brett Hundley as backup, with, uh, I mean, with even with Matt Flynn as backup, I know he had the huge game where he went out and threw 37 touchdowns in one game, right? I think he, he might have tied an NFL record in that game. But even then you knew, okay, if Aaron goes down, the season's over. When they drafted Jordan Love, my focus immediately went to, I can't wait to see what a first-round quarterback other than Aaron Rodgers can do in this offense in the preseason. And if Aaron goes down, it doesn't, it doesn't turn into doom and gloom like the season's over. What it turns into is, all right, man, let's see what we got in the young guy. This is going to be fun. This is going to be an experiment. This is, nobody expects us to win. Now you lose the MVP, right? So uh, to me, it was just a win-win. I got very, very excited when they drafted Jordan Love, um, as you can probably tell. And, and, I, and, you know, coming into this year, my thought was, ah, I don't know, I don't know what we have yet. I'm still there, but I'm telling you, I'm about to tip over the fence of the side of this kid's got it. I seen I'm, when we watched the game the other night. And we did the live, the live watch party, the whole night. I, I think I said it at least three or four times. I said, "Man, the stat line's going to make this look horrible," but my goodness, Jordan Love looked good. I mean, he, you could see it. You could see it on the field. And, and, and lo and behold, I went back and watched the film. I didn't get my three snaps in. I'm struggling. I apologize, guys. But I went back and watched every snap twice from that game, and it just flashed off the screen to me. And then lo and behold, I know everybody hates – not everybody. I got to stop saying that. A lot of people hate PFF. But I look at the film and I said, man, he had a good game. And then, bam, the PFF grade hits. And lo and behold, they said he had a great game. So it was – I don't know. It's just fun. I, I'm, this has been the most enjoyable preseason I've had in a long time. And I'm dreading next week where we're going to have that extended amount of time with no football. But, man, the Chiefs game is going to be really, really exciting. We'll be we'll be fired up to do the post-game show for you guys after that. Hopefully you've been enjoying the post-game show. We're trying to work out the kinks. Had a couple audio issues that made it sound a little ghetto, but we're going to get through it, right? Um, yeah, so with that being said, let's move along here. Let's go to the practice field and see what happened. Um, in practice. And what I did was I just cherry picked a few tweets here so I don't have to bore you with reading right down the line. Okay. This comes from Matt Schneidman. Um, he says a uh, couple updates from Matt LaFleur. Christian Watson made it through first team drills well. So that's a plus, right? Christian Watson looking a little more healthy every day. You could definitely feel his speed and size out there. This is LaFleur speaking. You could definitely feel his speed and size out there. That's That's awesome. David Bakhtiari will practice again and only do individual drills. And then Jenkins and Tunyon, not ready for team drills yet. So they're still, you know, coaching them along. Now, I did see a tweet that showed Aaron out there working with Tunyon. And Tunyon looks good. Tunyon actually looks a little thick. I don't know if you guys noticed that too, but to me, he looks like he's put on a little muscle. I mean, he, he looks pretty yoked. Um, so I'm excited to see Tunyon uh, get healthy for sure. This one comes from Matt Schneid, and it was retweeted by Andy Herman. It said, Christian Watson just mossed Rico uh, Gafford for a big gain down the right sideline on a nice throw from Jordan Love, but put the backup offense in position for a field goal during end-of-game scenario period when offense trailed by two. So they set a scenario up where the offense is losing by two points, two-minute drill, and what happens? Jordan Love hits Christian Watson, who goes up over Rico Gafford. They said Moss, which obviously a contested catch. And, I mean, Christian Watson, some people say he's 6'4". I've heard people, other people say he's 6'5". The kid's a burner. He's tall. I'm, I'm telling you, we might have a something there, too. This is – we're literally – we went from the from the outhouse to the penthouse. It was last – it was coming into this year, really right after the draft. And it's like, what are they going to do with all these rookie wide receivers? My God, they're so – and now all of a sudden, you notice the people that were bashing the wide receiver core, they're not talking about it anymore. Seriously, key in on it. Key in on the national media, the four-letter network, all the all the talking heads out there that don't know their, their butt from a hole in the ground. And, and isn't it amazing how two months ago it was, they'll never be able to do anything with this receiver core. And now all of a sudden, it's crickets. Oh, yeah, Aaron – well, it's not crickets. Aaron's been bashing his receivers just because he's trying to coach them up and get them ready to go in and, and have a significant role year one of their career. I, I don't know. It, it blows my mind. So, anyway, Christian Watson going up in Moss and Rico Gafford, uh, that's exciting stuff. And another thing that stands out there, Jordan Love. That was a two-minute drill. Jordan Love leads them down, uh, leans on Christian Watson. They kick a game-winning field goal there. Um, when they when they went into the scenario that was set up, them losing by two. So that's that's good stuff there. This comes from Cassidy Hill uh, on Twitter. 
And she said, Rasul Douglas says, as far as he knows, the plan is for the defensive starters to play Thursday versus the Chiefs. He asked if he wants to play. He said, of course. So Rasul Douglas might be leaking some info out. Maybe she misheard this. Um, I'm trying to temper uh, expectations, right? But if the if the starting defense goes out there and plays on Thursday, I'm going to be one happy camper, man. I'm telling you right now, uh, Thursday can't get here quick enough. I want to see this first-team defense, even if it's a limited amount of snaps. Now, Uncle Rico on Twitter, uh, a guy – not my actual Uncle Rico, okay? My uncle's name's – but this guy goes by Uncle Rico on Twitter, and we communicate quite a bit. Shout out to him. He seems like an awesome dude. Man, the people – the connections we've made on Twitter that I've made on Twitter, I think we're up to like – 2,200 followers now on the account, and it's it's been such an awesome experience. The people that I'm following and that are following me, we have an awesome time on Twitter. Now, don't get me wrong; we see some some you know some shots fired across the bow from the distance, and I look at some of those conversations. I'm like, my God, these people are miserable. I mean, they literally you could look at their timeline and they are just constantly arguing and arguing and arguing with the most random of people, right? But anyway, Uncle Rico on Twitter says. Um, he said, man, I, I, you know, basically I'd like to watch them play too, but I, I, I hate the thought of them getting hurt, any of them getting hurt. And, and that would be disastrous. You know, if a Kenny Clark went out there and rolled an ankle or, a, you know, whatever, Jair Alexander, God forbid, he, you know, have, have some kind of mishap and him go down in a preseason game. But guys, you know, Bill Belichick said it best. You, you tell me the play that they're going to get hurt on and I'll take them out, but you can't play football like that. Right. You just have a plan. You stick to it. Another thing that Aaron talked about in his video, he was talking about teaching these guys how to practice. You know, one of the things that goes unsaid uh, so many times when it comes to practicing football, they think everybody thinks that you just get out there and crack skulls and, and there's no, you know, really rhyme or reason to how you're practicing. You, you've got to learn how to be a pro. You've got to learn how to stay off the ground. Players get hurt when they when they get on the ground, and not the player that gets on the ground. Typically, it, it's uh, it's friendly fire, right? If a player can't stay on his feet in practice, that's how other people's get other people get hurt. You know, knees get blown out, ankles get rolled up, things like that. Something that Aaron was kind of talking about. So again, Russell Douglas saying that as far as he knows, they're going to be playing against the Chiefs. Another thing too, you know, Barry and Coach Lafleur could have told him be ready. It could be as simple as that, and then they're not going to play. You know what I mean? Just to kind of get them in that mindset of getting ready for a game. But let's hope we see them a few snaps. I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, on to the next camp tweet here, or uh, practice tweet, I should say. And this one comes in from Rob Domofsky. And this is really troubling, okay? I'm going to bring you some some bad news here. I'm hoping that uh, it's a false alarm, but I don't know what else it could mean. Um, Rob Domofsky said the Packers tried out, tried out several more specialists today. Kicker Matt Amendola, kicker Chase McLaughlin, kicker Chandler Slayton. We do not need another Slayton on this team. I'm losing my mind trying to keep up with who's who. Kicker Parker White and punter Cameron Dicker. Okay, so what does this mean? Why in the world would they be bringing in, what, four kickers and a punter, right? to uh to try out i mean that that really really causes me some concern when it comes to mason Crosby because you you just cut a kicker now okay yeah you don't like him you cut him loose got it but why are you bringing him four more are are you just are you not happy with the kicker you've got in camp right now and you want for one just one more game you want to bring in another kicker and let them take over because this guy isn't good that doesn't seem logical to me to me, it tells me that they're not satisfied with the kicker they've got on the roster, and they're looking for someone to potentially replace Mason Crosby, um, whether it be temporary or, God forbid, you know, something in his knee went wrong and it's long term, right? And again, this was yesterday's news, so hopefully by the time you're hearing this pod, you know, whether you download it immediately or a couple hours after, you know, it's planning on going out 12, 12 p.m. Central Time. Um, Man, uh, I don't know. It just uh, it raises concern for me about what's going on with Mason because th you bringing these guys in for one preseason game doesn't make sense. It seems like they're trying to trying to find somebody to fill that role um, for a, a little bit more of an extended period of time while Mason either heals up or or you know God knows what. Right. So um, thought that was definitely worth noting. Hate to be the negative Nancy here in the group, but. Got to report it because that's something that's absolutely huge. And, again, by the time you hear this, maybe something will have happened. I don't know. But uh, let's just kind of hope that uh, 
that everything comes out okay there. So with that, that was the camp tweets. Just wanted to touch on that stuff real quick. And like I said, want to want to let you hear from Aaron Rodgers. I thought that was all good stuff talking about the receivers. Gave a lot of good nuggets there, and then uh, also just kind of what happened in practice. The big thing that stood out to me again in practice: um, Bakhtiari's looking good. They say he's looking healthy, uh, more and more healthy by the day. And uh, obviously, um, uh, yeah, with Christian Watson, Christian Watson looks like uh, you know we. we had an opportunity to interview his mother. That was a great time. And, and she had talked about on the pod that um, he didn't injure his knee when he went into OTAs to the rookie mini camp, they found floating cartilage. So they immediately wanted to do surgery. And the reason being is so he would be ready for week one and lo and behold, here he is. Right. And we did, we had that information before anyone else, not because I'm a great journalist or a great reporter. I'm the farthest thing from it. You can tell by the accent, but Krista just shared that information with us as we interviewed her. Um, so, I've I, the more I hear about Christian Watson, the more excited I get, man, because it sounds like the guy is as advertised when it comes to speed, size, and even hands. And Romeo Dobbs, obviously, the hands haven't quite been there um, yet, but his route running ability is unbelievable. Man, the thought of those two guys four or five years from now is really, really exciting. Really exciting. So, with that, um, that's your camp update. Again, just want to give you some practice uh, information. So what we're going to do is take a quick commercial break, and when we get back, we're going to jump in and scout the Kansas City Chiefs, our Thursday night matchup here coming up for the last preseason game. But first, let's take a quick commercial break. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. So the Kansas City Chiefs. And this stuff gets kind of tricky, guys. I mean, it really does. Um, you kind of get to the point in preseason where it's okay. You know they're not going to play their starters a significant amount of time, right? It's just not going to happen. Um, you also understand that uh, that they're they're not going to tip their hand to their upcoming opponents on anything significant as far as scheme. Um, you know, maybe uh, I don't want to. I don't like using the word trick plays, but yeah, schematics is probably the best way of of saying it. You don't want them – they don't want to tip their hand to any of their opponents. But what would you, what you do typically see is just a generalization of what their team is going to be, their approach. And the only thing that we have to go off of as far as a blueprint 
is last year's information, right? It's the most up-to-date information we have on the Kansas City Chiefs. So let's just kind of break them down here. First of all, it's going to be Packers at Chiefs. used to be Arrowhead Stadium. I think it's still Arrowhead Stadium, but it's called something field now. Everybody's cashing in on the sponsorships, but it's going to be played in Kansas City. Kickoff time is 7 p.m. Central time, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Join us for the watch party, guys. Make a note right down. Make a mental note, whatever you got to do. Um, when the game goes live, hop over to Ryan's YouTube channel, and we're going to be on there hanging out, watching the game live. Love the interaction in the chat. It's It's been a great time. But, again, that's going to be 7 Central, 8, 8 Eastern time is kickoff. Now, what did they do in 2021? The Kansas City Chiefs went 12-5. and five. Their scoring offense, they were fourth best in the entire league at 28.2 points per game, okay? Their scoring defense, they were 20 – they scored 21.4, or I'm sorry, they gave up 21.4 points per game. That was eighth best in the entire league. So you see why Kansas City was so effective last year. I mean, they had a top five offense, scoring offense, and a top 10 scoring defense. And uh, really, Andy Reid knows how to put a team together. I was I was really surprised at how strong that defense came on later in the year because they started kind of weak. And as the season progressed, you know, by the time Green Bay went down there and, and Jordan Love got his first start, that defense was really starting to starting to cook, right? And the fact that Jordan Love held his own against that solid defense, and it's amazing at the time people were still bashing their defense as if, as if they weren't good, but obviously looking back on it, hindsight 2020, they had a top 10 scoring defense, and Jordan went down there and played well. But a 12-5 and record, you're talking about one of the best teams in the AFC, probably a top three AFC team. Some would argue it's the best AFC team. Um, however, losing Tariq Hill, um, not that it would matter in the preseason game anyway, just you know, generally speaking about the Kansas City Chiefs, they I feel like they have taken a step back. You basically said, hey, we'll bring in MVS and he'll be the burner. I think they would have been better off saving that 10 million a year uh, than you know, bringing MVS in and just focus on uh, McCall Hardman and him being the deep threat. But it is what it is. That's how they handled it. So obviously their head coach is the longtime head coach, Andy Reeb. Um, got his big break there in Green Bay, coaching under Mike Holmgren. Comes from that West Coast offense. But the thing that goes unsaid about Andy Reid is he has adapted his offense over and over and over. The reason that Andy Reid has had so much success in this league, um, you know, whether it was in Philadelphia, now in Kansas City as a head coach, he's willing to adapt. He's willing to look at his roster and say, okay, what do we do good and how do we adjust? Because when you look at their offense and how it operates, it, it's, it kind of looks like the farthest thing from a – a traditional West Coast offense. There's nothing timing-based about that offense. It's all about matchups. It's about getting Kelsey in single coverage. It's about Pat Mahomes using his physical ability to extend plays. You know, it's it's about all those things, Tariq Hill and, and the Wasp play. If you, I don't know if you guys remember that. I think that was in the uh, Super Bowl where they ran a, a play called Wasp, where it's literally a double move 30 yards down the field that only a quarterback like uh, like Pat Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers would have the arm strength to get it out there that lay in the play design. But uh, just the things that, that Andy Reid's been able to do to uh, to really just kind of adapt to the league and and hang around as long as he has is truly remarkable. Now, on the offensive side of the ball, as far as their coordinator, they've got Eric Bieniemy. I still think Eric Bieniemy should get a shot at a head coaching job. I really do. Not that Eric Bieniemy is this just unbelievable coach, and he I've seen something about him and and the way he calls plays that's so excellent. Anytime you've got a uh, you know, uh, arguably what could be a Hall of Fame quarterback in Pat Mahomes. It's way too early to decide that, you know, uh, definitively. But anytime you've got those kind of superstars on your offense, it's kind of hard to put as much credit uh, towards the offensive coordinator as, as normal, right? But Eric Bieniemy coaching under Andy Reid, I mean, he's got the best teacher in the world. If he If he can just pick up on Andy Reid's style and how the players love him, and then obviously his attention to detail and, and willingness to adapt. Um, it's just a matter of time before Eric Bieniemy gets a gets a head coaching gig. But he is the offensive coordinator still there. And uh, on defense, it's Steve Spagnolia. Uh, Steve Spagnola is the uh, is the defensive coordinator. If you guys remember, I believe if I remember correctly, he coached the Giants. He was head coach of the Giants for several years. He's a guy that uh, uh, a great defensive mind. Been around the game for freaking ever. Um, it's obvious that he was able to uh, help turn that defense around there last year. That's the defensive coordinator. So let's kind of get into the important information and how it pertains to the game against the Packers on Thursday night. Okay, let's talk personnel for a second. 
First of all, let's talk run-to-pass ratio. Last year, the Kansas City Chiefs ran the ball 38% of the time, and they passed the ball 62% of the time. Guys, that's a, that's a pretty significant difference. That's a pass-heavy offense. And really, there were so many times last year, I remember looking at the Kansas City Chiefs and, and going back and watching game pass and watching the condensed version of their game. And, and so many times, <clears throat> the opposing team was giving them the run. They were They were – basically just daring them to run the football. And they would occasionally, but it's like he would always get away from running the football. Now, whether that's Pat Mahomes changing the play at the line of scrimmage, which I'm sure Andy Reid gives him the freedom to do that. And when you're a Super Bowl winning uh, uh, quarterback and an MVP uh, award winning quarterback, yes, you're going to have the right to do that, right? But um, whether it was him or Andy Reid making the calls, uh, they should have ran the ball a lot more. They really should have. I mean, 38% 38% of the time, and to see how many two high looks they had. And what I mean by two, two high looks, there was a lot of teams that learned real quick the way that you beat the Kansas City Chiefs is to play a two-man under. You basically got man coverage underneath, taking away those those uh, those short intermediate routes, and then you had two safeties on the shelf taking away that, that deep bomb, right, because, you know, Pat Mahomes loves to air it out. That's how they started playing. Now, the only way that you're going to get a team out of a two-man under look is to run the freaking football down their throat. And so many times they started to do it, and then they would just get away from it and fall right back into the trap of throwing into that extra coverage. And it really uh, – it's what cost them there toward the end of the season there in the playoffs, in my opinion. But run – like I said, run percentage is 38%, pass is 62%. What's that tell us? Okay, if the, if the starting defense does play tomorrow, and let's say – or I'm sorry, Thursday, and then Pat Mahomes and the starters play, you know, for a, for a series or a first half or whatever it might be, we're going to get a really good look at our DBs. This should be a team that's going to throw the ball all over the yard. Now, preseason, again, they don't want to show too much. Maybe they come out and show run heavy just to kind of not give their opponents any kind of tip that, hey, look, we are going to be pass heavy again this year. <clears throat> Maybe they approach it that way. Again, that's where um, the preseason really comes into uh, into play. It's a little bit awkward as far as trying to figure out, okay, how can we how can we predict this game? How can we know what to expect You know, going into the ballgame? Um, now, let's go to personnel. Um, the top personnel that they ran. First of all, personnel, if this is the first time listening to the show and you don't understand what personnel is, uh, offensive personnel is the uh, the positions that are going to be on the field for the offense, okay? Um, 11 personnel, and basically it's a number system. 11 personnel, 12 personnel, 21 personnel, 13 personnel is the, uh, the top four personnel that the Kansas City Chiefs used last year. The first number is the number of running backs on the field. The second number is the number of tight ends on the field. Okay, so what essentially you got with 11 personnel, one running back, one tight end, that means it's a three wide receiver set. You got your five linemen, one running back, one tight end, right? And then you've got your quarterback, so your five linemen plus your quarterback six, your one running back seven, your one tight end's eight. That means there's only three positions left, um, you know, to fill out that 11, and that means it's a three wide receiver set. It's just a quick easy way for coaches to relay, relay that information of the personnel going onto the field. You know, on the offensive side of the ball, just a little insight here, they don't say 11 personnel, go. They'll have packages set up. Now, they may say 11 NASCAR, right? And there's a certain tight end that's going to play that NASCAR tight end's position, and boom, they're off. They, they know what package they're running, right? They know exactly what players to go on the field. But from a defensive standpoint, they're looking over from the sideline and they see, okay, they let's say they come out to 21 personnel and it's two running backs, one tight end, right? So that's your base. So they'll go, okay, 21. When they say 21, then the players on the sideline know, okay, we're, we're sending out our base defense. If they hear the, the coach on the sideline yell out 11 personnel, then they know it's a three-wide set. One of the base defensive linemen will come off the field, and a line or a uh, an extra DB will go on and put out the nickel formation. Okay, you know it, it, it's something that's really really uh, misunderstood in today's NFL. No longer are there first down linebackers. No longer are there first down defenses. It's all matched up to personnel. Okay, and that's why I always try to mention that because it's very very important. You know, in the old days, it'd be okay. It's first down. Let's send out our base four three. Let's send out our base three four. Right. I don't care if they're running four wide receivers first down. We're expecting them to run. That's not how the NFL operates now. Right. It's it's all going to match up to personnel. And that's why you see Aaron trying to rush and, and get that that free snap off and catching them 
with, uh, you know, 10 men or 12 men on the field or what have you, right? So many times we've seen Aaron do that, and he's so so good at it. It's because we will sub out and go from a 21 to, a, to an 11, and they try to get the nickel on the field. Well, they can't get that big, fat defensive lineman off the field in time. Aaron does a quick snap, and we catch them with 12 men on the field. That's why they're constantly subbing in and out. So I know the majority of our listeners understand that. They don't need it explained. But if, if there's one person out there that didn't know that and now they do, that's what we're here for. We're here to, to help learn from each other and uh, and kind of teach the X's and O's of the game. I want this podcast to be different from everything else. I don't want this podcast to be Aaron Rodgers didn't get a shot. He's a horrible person. Or I don't want this to be who's, who's Aaron Rodgers dating now. Or, I, you know, I don't want it to turn into a drinking game. I don't want it to turn in what's your favorite recipes. Although you guys follow me on Twitter, I, I, I should have more chins than a Chinese phone book. I'm telling you right now, I love eating food. I love cooking. But I want this podcast to be about X's and O's, hardcore football talk, right? And, and the whole point is we want to help educate people. And along the way, listeners can email me and say, hey, I think you got this wrong or or, hey, uh, I didn't quite understand this, but did you know that? Uh, you know, I'm willing to learn from the listeners as much as they're willing to learn from me. I just love football. I'm a football geek like that. Some of you are going, okay, I need to I need to change this podcast right now because this isn't for me. I want to hear people talk about bacon cheeseburgers and the, and the drama that is Aaron Rodgers. I completely agree. You might want to switch to the next podcast because that's not what this is. So, anyway, 11 personnel. They ran 11 personnel 67% of the time, the Kansas City Chiefs did. Okay, they ran 12 personnel 20 percent of the time. They ran 21 personnel 5 percent of the time and they ran 13 personnel 5 percent of the time. Okay, so let's run it back again. 11 personnel. That's a three wide receiver set 67 percent of the time. Guys, right at 70 percent of the time, most likely on Thursday night, they're going to have a three wide set on the field. What does that tell us? That tells us that we're going to be in our nickel the majority of the night, which means you're going to see two down linemen two edge rushers, and two inside linebackers, okay? Then you're going to have, obviously, five defensive backs, three corners, two safeties. So you're going to see our nickel look the majority of the night. So now we know, guys, we successfully predicted it last week. We talked about the Saints and how they were they were, they were were 11 personnel heavy, but nowhere near like this. I, I don't want to flip through the pages and have you guys have to listen to that noise but of me fumbling through the pages. But I know that it was significantly lower than 67% for 11 personnel. And lo and behold, look at all the snaps that TJ Slayton got. Look at all the extra snaps that that uh, Jack, uh, what, what do they call him? Uh, uh, trash can full of dirt, Heflin, right? He was in the game a large portion of the night. Chris Slayton was in a large portion of the night. You got to see a lot of Devontae White. So we got a really good look at that defensive line because the majority of the time there were three defensive linemen, not the majority of the time, but uh, a larger amount of time than a normal game. Um, there were uh, three defensive linemen on the field with that base 34. It's important to know that going in the preseason game. So if you're deciding to grab a notepad and a pen and sit down and watch the game and really scout the game out and go, okay, I, I want to watch Devontae Wyatt play this game. Okay. You're going to have a, a, a ton of opportunities there with a team like the Saints just because they're personnel matchups with the Kansas City Chiefs. It's kind of the opposite. You're going to see a lot of DB action. You're going to see that nickel defense the majority of the night, whether it's a 2-4-5, a 3-4-5. They've got another one that's called a top three, I think, um, is a new set that they've got. I need to study into that a little bit more. They're, they're constantly evolving and changing, tweaking little things. So 12 personnel, one running back, two tight ends, right, 20% of the time. We run a lot of 12 ourselves in Green Bay. I like 12 personnel, because especially if you've got athletic uh, tight ends, where you can you know flex them out and do a lot of empty sets out of a twelve. I mean, you can really force a team into a heavy base defense and then flex out wide and put them at a disadvantage. That's what gets me so excited about uh, AJ Dillon and uh, Aaron Jones on the same on the same field together because you can flex you can flex really both of them out if you wanted to. But Aaron is so deadly in the passing game uh, or in the receiving game, I should say, and then you still have AJ Dillon to pound the rock. That gets really really exciting. So. Kansas City running 12 personnel 20% of the time. They ran 21 personnel 5% of the time. That's two running backs, one tight end. Essentially, both 12, 21 are are going to trigger your base defense, okay? So it really doesn't matter if it's 12 or 21. Both should trigger that 34 look, whether it's a 34 under, over, solid, uh, predator, whatever it is they want to run. 
right? And then you got a 13 look 5% of the time. I was kind of fascinated about that because you got one running back and three tight ends, which means there's only one wide receiver. That's that's kind of unique. And uh, I, I'm kind of curious to see what is Joe Barry's response to a 13 look. Does he say, okay, you treat Kelsey like he's a wide receiver and you essentially call it a 12 look? Or do you look at a 13 look and go, no, it's heavy. Let's put us an extra defensive lineman in there and go with something kind of like a 4-4 look or or maybe even a 5-2 look, something like that, something that kind of resembles a goal line but a little more spread out where you're not vulnerable to the pass. Because we know if Pat Mahomes was going to come out in a 13 look, not that, not that Pat's even going to play. We don't know if he's going to play or not Thursday night. But if he comes out in a 13 look, and then you flex uh, Kelsey out wide and you've got something that resembles like a goal line of 5-2 or something, you're screwed from the start. So, um, again, just wanted to mention that stuff because it's important going into the game. And and the scouting information, as we get into the regular season, I'm really excited about the episode before every game because when I do this scouting segment, it's not going to be as generalized. Something else I'm going to add in is, hey, here's the top three players on offense for that team. Here's the top three players uh, from defense on that team. And then also maybe what they did in the last two or three games, like a two or three game saturation. Hey, here's what they've really been keying in on as far as personnel. And here's where their big plays came from. Okay, their big plays came from, let's say, Kelsey, right? All right, we're going to do a bracket coverage on Kelsey then. They're going to put Quay Walker underneath and have Jair shadow him over the top and really make them beat him with McCoy Hardman and MVS, right? Which we know MVS couldn't catch a cold, right? But anyway, um, I, I, I don't know. I, when we get into the regular season, it's going to be a little more detailed. But I wanted to kind of get this in motion because we do have football coming up just like last week, and I got really good feedback about the scouting segment that we're doing right now just to kind of get the foundation laid for the game coming up. So this is kind of a primer for you guys. Two days before the game, you can, bam, get this pod, listen to it, and go, okay, yeah, Clayton was saying they, they run a lot of 11 personnel, so we're probably going to see a lot of nickel defense. Let's see what Quay Walker can do in coverage here. Let's see if Devondre Campbell goes out there and actually plays. Hey, let's see what O.J. McDuffie is going to do. O.J. McDuffie's been flashing, man. Him and Chris Barnes, and it's cool that Matt LaFleur actually gave some credit to uh, to Chris Barnes. He referred to him as KB. He said, man, I, I think that O.J. McDuffie's coming on strong just because he's in KB's hip pocket, which tells me that Chris Barnes has probably started to cut the corner. Guys, it's exciting. It's exciting when you think about Devondre Campbell, who I think, if I remember correctly, finished number 48 on the NFL Top 100 list. That is phenomenal. We've got a top 50 player at arguably the most important position on the defensive side of the ball, middle linebacker. Oh, and by the way, he calls the plays in the huddle, right? But to have Quay Walker out there, and then you take a starter from last year in Chris Barnes, who's going to be better this year, one more year of experience, plus he's in a contract year, you're going to get the best version of Chris Barnes possible. And, and the fact that that's your backup in waiting, that's exciting for this defense. You know, this defense is a lot deeper than people want to give them credit for. They really are. So, yeah, with that being said, I think we're done. I wanted to cover a little bit of practice from yesterday, let you hear what Aaron Rodgers had to say. We're going to get this pod out to you, like I said, by noon is the goal, um, noon central time. And then we also wanted to give you guys kind of a primer for the Packers Chiefs. And uh, yeah, and kind of get ready for the for the last preseason game, and then we've got some cutdowns too. There's going to be a cutdown today, guys. Um, it's going to come at 4 p.m. Eastern time. Um, you know, it should be happening any second now. But uh, they're going to cut the roster down. It's the deadline to get the roster down to 80 man cutdown. Last week, I tried to wait until we cleared the 85 man cutdown before I put the pod out, and it was absolutely disastrous. The power went out. Didn't get the pod to you guys till way too late. And it really, really aggravated me. And I told myself, I'm doing the pod earlier next week. I don't care if the cutdown has happened yet or not. We're going to do the pod. So lo and behold, the cutdown isn't complete yet to the best of my knowledge. But you guys be looking for that information around 4 p.m. Eastern time today. We're going to get the roster cut down to 80 men. It's crazy because we've got pretty much everybody's healthy now other than Kyle and Hill to the best of my knowledge. You got a couple couple dings and bruises, but for the most part, the people that we were concerned about, the Elton Jenkins, the David Bakhtiaris, the Christian Watsons, right, all of those guys are healthy. So we're, uh, we should be good to go heading into the Kansas City Chiefs game. Should be a fairly normal uh, week of preparation, right, and kind of going through the motion of the, uh, the everyday grind, uh, getting ready for 
a weekly game. If anything, it's it's good just to kind of walk through um, the week in preparation going to a game, even if the starters don't play. But I, I'm, I'm really excited to see if some of the starters do get to uh, play their Thursday night. So with that being said, we're going to get you guys out of here. Coming up, again, 80-man cut down by 4 o'clock today. We got the, the Packers-Chiefs game coming up Thursday. Hop on that stream with us. We're going to be doing a, a live watch party. It'll be me and Pack Daddy, most likely Jacob. And then as soon as that game's over, we're going to go live on Twitter and YouTube for the Packers Total Access postgame show. We'd love your comments in there as well. I've uh, been getting awesome feedback with it. And then we're going to do a chalk talk segment on Saturday. So Saturday's show, we're going to pick one play from the Packers Chiefs game, and we're going to break it down. We're going to give you the terminology for the play. We're going to give you the uh, the complete concept, blocking scheme, everything to do with that one play. We want you guys to come away. If you haven't heard it, you can go back to the past Chalk Talk segments. If you look on your podcast list, it'll be Packers Total Access Chalk Talk and then a brief description of what we're breaking down, which game, okay? You can go back to the 49ers game and get one of those. You can go back to the Saints game and get one of those. And the whole goal, is to take one play with somewhat of a significant or big play in that game and break it down so you can understand every aspect of it, everything from the personnel that was used, how the play call would come in, you know, as far as describing the play, you know, how, how it would be called in the huddle or as least, at least as close to that as we could get. Um, we're going to be talking concepts. We're going to be talking about how the defense played it and how the, the Packers adjusted. We're going to talk about execution of the play, all those things. We're going to do that in a Chalk Talk segment on Saturday for one play from this Chiefs-Packers game. And then, of course, um, no preseason game next week, but on the 30th is your 53-man cut down. Boys, it got here quick. It got here quick. We're talking about seven days away from getting our final 53-man roster set, and then it's time for NFL football week one. I'm absolutely fired up for. So thank you guys so much for taking the time to come hang out with us. We really appreciate it. You can be anywhere in the world doing anything and you're choosing to, uh, to just chill with us and, uh, and take in the podcast. We really, really appreciate your time. Really appreciate you sitting through the ads too, guys. I, I want to mention that from time to time because it's a necessary evil. And when I say necessary evil, I, I don't even know what the ads are. I have no control over it. Ryan has no control over it. There's an ad agency that handles that. But just the fact that we're having to tie up a little bit of the podcast time with an advertisement and you guys sit through it, we really appreciate it. But it is necessary to provide the funds to keep the podcast going, to keep the equipment coming in that we need and all those things. So we really, really appreciate you taking the time to kind of ride that out with us. Again, it's something that's necessary, and, um, yeah, we really, really appreciate it. So with that being said, thank you so much for your time. We will chat with you guys on Thursday for the uh, the live stream and then immediately after for the uh, Packers Total Access postgame show. Me and Jacob will br be bringing you that. We'll probably have a few guests on as well. So thank you so much. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world, and go Pack Go. Third down, to go. Good Peter. 17 to 14. Cowboys out in front. 